welcome to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast. As always, myself, Josh Y, hosting on deck, but also uh, Nick Splitter on board. Nick, good to have you again for another week at a halfway point of the NFL season. And uh, Bon Jovi once said, whoa, we're halfway there. And uh, I think that could be said more than the NFL season. I think he said it more than once from memory. <laughs> I, think, um... I think he said it a lot of times, <laughs> pretty much every second line of that. God forsaken sock. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure that we were ever going to get halfway there, but here we are. And it's been um, a really interesting season so far, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, quick shout out to beforeyoubet.com.au, uh, free betting tips, promos and offers. Uh, check them out. They've, they follow all sports, racing, whatever you, you want. So check them out, beforeyoubet.com.au. Yep, good stuff. I mentioned before that we're at the halfway point of the season, so thought it'd be a good time or we thought it'd be a good time to bring back our resident um, man of the future or man from the future, uh, James from uh, Stats Insider to uh, to look look back at the first half of the season and where teams sit and, and, and all that. So James, how you doing, buddy? Good. Lockdown couldn't defeat me. So here I am back again. Yep. To, um, well done. Enjoy your guys' company. You, you finally have freedom and we're keeping you inside to do a podcast. That's so. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good it's reward. A, it's exactly. It's the cruel <laughs> hopes of 2020 or yeah. curse of 2020. That's it. Before we pick your brain, though, uh, on the first half of the season and, and talk about talk about that between all of us, kind of a roundtable discussion, um, we'll get to our results. And uh, we're back in the winner circle, Nick, last week. Lock of the week winner, uh, the Steelers. I think they're our unofficial team of the podcast at this point. Five, two, and one now for our best bets. And uh, we've never really lost the Steelers play at this point. No, I think we have ever since the, the very beginning. I think all of us kind of said that the Steelers were, were a sneaky chance to uh, to kind of win the division, but but also win it all uh, in our preseason preview. So yeah, I think it makes sense that they're our our team of the podcast this season. Yeah, and uh, speaking of being you know the half halfway point of the season, you funnily enough went exactly point five hundred on your uh, on your plays uh, last week. Yeah, a little bit of a slowdown on on the good run that I just started for a couple of weeks, but um, hoping to uh, to get back on track and uh, make some money this week. Yeah, I feel like you're having a week where you have like six or seven plays, and you pick three of the, your worst ones for your best yeah, bets, and your other four to, always seem to get up. It seemed yeah. to happen all all season so far, where I, I pick three three of the best, and they lose, but then the rest of the sheet. Is wins and it's just it's yeah. very frustrating. I'm, I'm a bit like twenty twenty in a nutshell. Uh, exactly, I'm a bit like that with my tipping comp last week. I had Carolina plus seven, um, and I had I can't even remember now one of the earlier games in there as well. And I was on track. I was going to have a full round, and I decided to take uh, Carolina out and put New England and Denver in, and that was just a disaster. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, two and one on the podcast last week. I just need to talk through my roller coaster on betting the Lions plus two and a half and the money line in that game. I mean, at one point I was, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is fine. Like when they finally got down the red zone, the time was ticking away. I'm like, oh, they'll just kick a field goal or in true Falcons fashion, miss the field goal. The Lions win, they cover, they lose by one, it, you know, happy days, victory. And then Todd Kelly scores. And I'm like, this is the worst beat I've, I've probably ever had at this point. This is just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And then... For the Lions to go on this drive and then Golladay to make this catch. And then there's the was it a catch? Wasn't it a catch? Then it was was there runoff? Was there not runoff? Three seconds left. Touchdown. Cheering. Penalty. Move the kick back. Oh no, it's gonna be a draw. 
Falcons are going to win in overtime, aren't they? This is this is just horrendous. And then they get the kick. He'd missed the kick from Shorter earlier. And then, oh, my God, pure elation. That was one of the craziest wins. It was probably one of the luckiest wins ever on the money line. But at the same time, like I was should never have been in the spot with a plus two and a half. But uh, as if, that's kind as of if the... betting as if betting the lines isn't tough enough anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. But anyway, 14, 6, and 1 are my best bets. So um, doing very well on the season in terms of my best bets. So uh, keep listening. But let's get to the, the, the halfway point talking points. James, kickstart us. What's, your, what's been your sort of overall thoughts so far of the season and what's sort of sticking out to you? So it's sort of um, – I wrote a piece for Stats Insider this week you know, taking the temperature of the league as we approach halfway mark as we hit Halloween. And the big thing theme is for me as, you know, this is a country on fire and a league on fire in terms of its upheaval and its distractions. And it's something we spoke about, the three of us in the preseason, about continuity being key this year going in. Have you got your house in order from a coaching perspective, from a quarterback perspective? Helps if the GM as well has been in situ for a while as well. And all of these ducks align with Pittsburgh, right? Tomlin's been there for 12 years, 13 years, Roethlisberger for 16 and Kevin Colbert for 20. So, And they're the only undefeated team in the competition. Not just Pittsburgh, though. So there's six teams that are clear Super Bowl favorites. Baltimore, continuity straight through, right? Kansas City, straight through. Seattle, yes. Um, and there's one other team and then it's Tampa as well. Now, Tampa don't have that, you know, continuity throughout the whole Saints, Saints is probably the other team. Is that correct? Saints as well. They weren't actually one of the teams I had had written down. They because they 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 weren't in that top six. But um, fair enough. <laughs> Green Bay, Green there Bay, we go. We're, we're the other one. But when you think about um, Tampa, you know you've obviously got Arians has been in the NFL forever. Brady's forty two, forty three, and Todd Bowles as well, who's probably just about the story of the year himself, overseeing the best defense in the NFL. It just speaks to experience and know-how and nows. And we, I remember exactly us speaking about this with Mike Tomlin. He's the exact guy you want to, you know, cruise these waters with. Conversely as well, you look at the teams who have, you know, the same kind of tire fire franchises. Um, it turns out that a pandemic only exacerbates all your struggles. <laughs> so you look at Jacksonville, Washington and the two New York teams combined for four and twenty four in a season. This is, you know, you can't it's it's not the kind of league you can do things on the you know on the fly. Um yeah. and this is this is the lesson for or pro sports, you name it, community, business. You got it's one of those things it's, it's one of those things we kind of discussed early on that those those franchises that had that stability from previous seasons um go into this season with an advantage because they know exactly what their plays are. They know who their guys are. They know what, what they're going to run, you know, all these sort of things where you look at some of the other teams that just haven't got that that system in place, that having an interrupted preseason, that that whole, you know, clusterfuck of an off-season and, and season, let's be honest, has just made things even worse, like you said. So, yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because, like, that's one of my my when I do my ratings, I talk about my ratings here every week, and one of my ratings is you know I have you know offense and it's heavily weighted to quarterbacks, and and I have separate ratings for O line and all that sort of stuff, and then defense, but I also have stability. I just think that is such an underrated aspect mm. when you when you're looking at a team front office from front office all the way down to, to players. If you've been in that system and been with that team for for so long, it, it helps. Like if you've got returning players that you're in rhythm with. That helps. Like, there's all that sort of stuff happens. 
Um, and the you know classic case you know of a team that we probably we overrated, especially J- James and I going into the season was the Cowboys, and we sort of probably didn't. Um, you know, we probably underestimated the amount of changes they made with a new head coach, new defensive coordinator, who seems to be the biggest problem um, behind, you know, obviously all those injuries. And and I think that's an underrated aspect as well is you just, it's just maybe the season, it feels like the injury, the amount of injuries isn't that much higher, but it just, it's just hit certain teams a lot more than others. I feel like there's, Team, there's a lot more teams that have had a, a plethora of injuries, the Eagles, the 49ers, the Cowboys, teams like that that have just been hit by injuries. And I don't know if they did things differently during the pandemic or during the, the lead up to this, to the season. And I think that's kind of just taking teams out and that's kind of combining of all that's kind of hit Dallas in one big go. And that's why they've just fallen by the wayside, unfortunately. But yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, James. And, you know, speaking of those top teams, I, for me, like my number one takeaway after last week is can anyone really stop the Buccaneers in the NFC? They're kind of the only NFC contender without a major flaw. I mean, Seattle's got their pass defense, which we saw Arizona take advantage of last week. Green Bay's run defense is definitely a problem. New Orleans, Breeze is washed and there's some issues with Michael Thomas. Um, I've just listed Chicago because they've got five wins, but everything's a mess there. But there's just definitely a flaw. But when you look at Tampa Bay, they've just seen a great O-line, quarterback starting to warm up, defense is playing well. And as you said, Todd Bowles, I think his ceiling is a defensive coordinator. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think that's awesome for him. But can it, can you see anyone stopping the Bucks in the NFC, James and Nick? Well, I guess the, I, I had in my notes you know, some things to talk about is that we're going to find out in the next month or, or so, you know, five to six weeks, if the Bucks are legit. You know, yes, they've got the Giants this week, but after that they've got the Saints, the Rams and the Chiefs three weeks straight, which is – that's a tough – that's a tough stretch for anybody. Um, so we're going to know, you know, in the next month or so, you know, if the, if the Bucks are legit, and the one thing that we we don't know, we haven't seen them in in playoff football, so we haven't seen them in that circumstance yet, in that situation, in that environment. Um, currently, you know, they're doing everything that they need to do, and and they're showing everything they need to to show. But you know, we'll, we'll see soon in that in that you know pressure cooker environment if they can if they can handle it. Something I really love about Tampa is in absolute balance across the franchise. Mm. All of these elite teams this year, like look, let's say Seattle and Pittsburgh. Flawed. Seattle are really flawed defensively. Pittsburgh aren't batting with a massive offense this year and really haven't played anybody, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. Tampa, you look at Todd Bowles, easily the best defense in the competition with a, with names that don't jump out at you. I mean, Sue hasn't set the world on fire so far. Pierre Paul is, what, 30, 31. The rest yep. of the names out there, they don't jump out. Shaq Barrett isn't having what he, what he did sort of in his in the last couple of years previously. They're just getting it done. That means that shows me that it's being well-schemed, that he's got multiple options as opposed to the Rams model of Aaron Donald and everything all in on Aaron Donald. Yep. I like that. that. And on offensive yeah. room, they, they run the ball. They've got, you know, it suits Brady perfectly. Having his yeah. great D, they can run it. He can find his spots. He's barely been pressured apart from the Bears game. That's... You, you're right, James. And I think the thing that's scary is that there's, you know, you, you, you talk about those players that aren't, aren't performing or not, 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 not performing, but just putting up the numbers that we're used to seeing from guys like that is that there's room for improvement still as well. You know, they're the number one defensive team in the NFL and they can get even better. Like, that's scary. 
Absolutely. Yep. And even from a target perspective, receiving-wise, eight different Absolutely. guys have at least 14 different targets. Yeah. And Evans, you, know, you look at a guy like Mike Evans, who most would have in there, probably top five. I mean, at least top 10, but top five receivers in the league coming into the season. He's not being utilised in that in that way this season. So there's, there's plenty of improvement across both sides of the field. And that's the beauty worry. when you have such a legend like Tom Brady as well to be able to sort of communicate that to star receivers. It's like, I'm not going to you every time, you know, and you've got to live with that. You want to win, you're taking this many less or whatever it is. We're going to get everybody involved. You'll get big moments mm. down the stretch. That's that's just smart. And Arians as well, obviously, is... Yeah, that could that could change, though, when you add Antonio Brown into the mix. Suddenly there's less and less... True football to go around and uh yeah i just think he's not a person i'd want in my locker room but who knows um he has he seems to that you know he seems to have wanted this yeah. in it's just, oh, there yeah, seems to be this incredible rapport between him and brady and it's just it's so yeah. surprising well, i mean when you look at the people though. if you look at the people brady associates himself <laughs> with donald trump floyd mayweather tony robbins antonio brown and it's it all there's, starts there's to make one, sense aaron fernandez yeah, it's all sorts. Yeah. You know, Alex Guerrero, you know, um, and then that's probably the only thing that could go wrong is is Antonio Brown sort of getting – because Mike Evans has shown he can be a bit of a hothead. I know he's a team player, but he can fire up and he, he looked a little bit frustrated with some overthrows last week. And um, in, in the modern NFL, though, I think the way that these, this is set up for, for Brady is like there's a lot more offensive, offensive uh, things in place for offences to thrive and that's helping him – sort of face that cliff a little bit slower than other quarterbacks did a few years back because there's more penalties on defense, there's more, you know, pass interference calls and things that are helping him bail out some errant deep balls and things. But apart from that, like he's starting to, to really heat up, which is just scary. Um, but on the other side of the uh, of the coin, uh, I want to talk about uh, the AFC. Uh, for me, you know, of the teams with a losing record, like who do you think could potentially sneak into the playoffs here? Because I don't think the Browns, are hanging around at five and two, I can see them getting run down, and I, I really think the Chargers could potentially go on a run here. Um, and I think you agree with me, Nick. Yeah, it's it's really surprising because I, I mean, you guys know that I didn't rate them at all coming into this season. They were one of my my lowest ranked teams coming into the season. But you know, the inclusion of Justin Herbert has just given them a shot in the arm that I did not expect. I thought he'd be good, and I said in in week one or week two when he came in for Tyrod Taylor that I thought this kid can play. Um, and massive wraps for, for the way that, that he goes about it. But I didn't expect him to be this good. Um, you know, he's pretty much got Offensive Rookie of the Year sewn up. In my notes, I've got a question for, for you guys. If if the Chargers start winning, you know, they're 1-5 and five at the moment. If they start winning and Justin Herbert starts leading them to, to franchise victories, this guy, I mean, depending on other players, of course, can start getting into the MVP conversation. You look at some of the other guys, and, and it, it takes – obviously, I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP by any stretch, but there's probably at the moment only three guys that can win it, maybe two. but And, and an injury or a, a little bit of regression, all of a sudden that conversation opens up. The next month, the Chargers have the Broncos, Raiders, Jets, and Dolphins. They can theoretically win all of those and be six and four in a couple of weeks. All of a sudden, they're on a winning team. Quarterbacks come in and he's taken them from a basket case to a, a winning record in his first year. He's made a massive difference to this franchise. There's definitely something to be said. I mean, there's I think there's uh, eleven guys with a with a QB rating of at least a hundred in the league. Nine of only two of those teams I've got a losing record. One's obviously Houston with Deshaun Watson. One's with Herbert. 
to be doing this as a rookie and in a losing team and still posting the numbers he's posting is is really 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 impressive. I'm just the the, the injury factor with the charges though it could happen. Yeah, or oh, and co- bad it's coaching. Like, yeah, like, I did. Like, you know, special teams will cost them a win or two at some point. <laughs> so, yeah. What about the what? What about you know my favorite coach and the Las Vegas Raiders? <laughs> and so, and talking about QB rating again, Eric Carr is what third in the league? Is it yeah. the Zaro world or what? Yeah, twenty twenty baby. <laughs> but this, this seems to be a very. We use the word a lot on this podcast, or I do at least, is, is nuance. This is the opposite of a nuanced offense, it seems there. This is Jacobs carrying the ball a thousand times a game, throwing to tight ends, um, keeping it really conservative in that respect. And I'll, I'll say this about Derek Carr, though. I mean, he, like, yeah, well, he, he played he played well against the Bucs. I mean, they were close in that game into the fourth quarter. They're only within a touchdown, and his leading receiver in that game was Nelson Aguilar against the Bucks defense. So that's that's pretty impressive from Derek Carr and I'm not a and I'm not a Derek Carr fan at all. So um I, yeah, I just they're a sneaky team as well. I think I think one of the Chargers or Raiders is making the playoffs. Well, what about the Browns then? I don't think the Browns are good. I, I mean, who have they beaten apart from from the Colts where Philip Rivers played his worst game of the season? I, I just I just don't know who they beat. I need to see them beat a good team before I can buy into them. And the OBJ loss is going to really hurt as well, like Yep. going to sting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about the Browns. It's, they're, they're one of those teams, aren't they? They're in that middle that middle gap. You're just not sure if they're at the top end of the middle gap or the bottom end of the middle gap. Like, I just don't know. And are we also assuming that the Colts make it, Josh? Like, are, are you confident? I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not confident. I don't know if it's because of the bye week or something, and I haven't seen them for a while. I just I don't really know how to read this team. Um, and it's weird. Like, I'm kind of losing faith in Rivers, but I don't think he's playing that bad. He always just seems to be the excuse for the loss, especially in week one. Like he played really well, but it was just our defense was awful in that game. And then since then the defense has gotten really, really good, but then it got to the point where it got really overrated because we hadn't played anybody. It's still a um, top so, DVO, DVOA defense. Yep. And I think that and, like, speaks to that kind of roster building stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. And then with, Against the Bengals, we were like it was like a it felt like a Chuck Pagano game where the first quarter Frank Reich was just calling these really conservative, really obvious plays, and we had nothing going. And then he finally woke up, but we were down three touchdowns, and somehow we pulled it off. But that's that's pretty much how every Andrew Luck game went with with Chuck Pagano. So I'm not really sure about the Colts, but um, I feel like this Browns Raiders game this week actually is kind of important in the playoff picture. That could be the difference between one of those teams being the seventh seed and one of those teams missing out. And then the other thing is, are we also reading too much? Like, is there any chance that anybody below a four seed in the AFC is going to make any noise whatsoever in the playoffs? Unlike the NFC, you could say the seventh or eighth seed could win a super, could could make a Super Bowl from the NFC. This AFC so top loaded. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and KC. Kansas City. I'll say this. I, I honestly think Justin Herbert's that good. Uh, he could go on a run. Um, you mentioned how good his pass rating is. There's someone, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, was doing some advanced looks ups. He's basically Dan Marino at the moment in terms of his rookie season. He's having a top five all time quarterback rookie season so far, and he missed the first couple of games as well in terms of his output of numbers. Um, so and, potentially, like, yeah. And, and- you know, we've already got the Lakers and the Dodgers, so why not the Chargers? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I feel like the defense is a bit underrated as well. Like they're, they're doing quite well, like they're 12th in DVOA as well, even though they're missing stacks of players and missing Derwin James. They're still still doing still doing its bit. But yeah, maybe the specialist, every year they're 32nd in DVOA special teams and it's not going to change. So that's probably going to, what's going to let them down. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the AFC is pretty locked and loaded, but you mentioned the NFC. It, it seems like any teams, apart from whoever wins the NFC least, um, can can win the NFC. Well, that's I think was sort of one of my notes at the end. We're talking about like futures bets and stuff like that. Somewhere like Arizona, like that would not surprise me in the least in the NFC. This is a really good team. You know, we saw that Monday Night Football. This is a really this is a top ten D with an innovative offense with an, a future superstar at quarterback and the best wide receiver in the sport. That's a good that's a good combo, um, and they're in the right conference to be doing that as well. Could I talk you into taking the Giants at twelve dollars to win the <laughs> NFC East? <laughs> this is, I feel it, like it just defies that division. You know, it's bizarre. yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like whoever's the biggest odds is the most valuable at any given week at this point. I feel like what, you could have gone any one of these team? teams at twelve dollars. What, what are the odds for the football five team? Five I reckon that's. Uh, I reckon that's probably better value. But 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 why not? In terms of this is still a, that's a, again I think a six for DVOA defense. At least they have a unit that is really yeah. good, you know, yeah. something. Um, yeah, it feels inevitable that Philly will go on with it, but they seem to be the team with the most. Um, what's the word? Sort of not longer term trouble because I mean they're all in a bit of a mess, but Philly seem to have the biggest aspirations, I guess, coming into the season before obviously Dak. Uh, after Dak got injured, and it's kind of just been an absolute mess, really. It just—it feels heavy, Philadelphia, the Eagles. It just feels like a really heavy package, you know, that constantly pushing up a hill. And you know, I'm sure Nick would sense that frustration. That's that's what it's like being an Eagles fan. Yeah, that's what pretty I'm much forever. Is. So yeah. <laughs> it's really weird to say that it feels like like. It feels weird saying that they're just really patchy and, and unprofessional at the moment. They look not unprofessional. That's probably the wrong word, but like inexperienced. It feels like yeah, like, which is weird because Laurie and Peterson have been so good the last mm. few years. But I mean, like, who decided to put Deshaun Jackson out to return a punt? He like, did. That was, it was his call. That was the dumbest call. thing I've ever seen from a coach this year. Yeah. Like, it just didn't even make sense. And we've seen some dumbass shit this year from coaches, but. Yeah, like, no, apparently it was his call last week. The, the story was that at two minutes 20 left, um, he went up to the special teams coordinator and said, coach, put me in for the punt return. Um, right. You know, we need to play. We need to play. And they trust him. They trust him and, and uh, yeah, maybe enough. cost him his career. Would have been better off coming on this punt return, the podcast. <laughs> well, we'll try. We could, if he's out of yeah. a job, maybe we'll try. Yeah, we could. Um, but here's, here's here's one tricky one, and I know I know we've spent a lot of time already on on yeah. some takeaways. But where are we with the Houston Texans? Are, oh, yeah. Do they need a complete rebuild? There are guys that have value that might be. I mean, we talk about JJ Watt. JJ Watt wants to win something, and he he maybe is not going to get a chance with the Texans. I'd say it's a very you know <laughs> long shot for him to win anything with the Texans at this point. Um, so surely he's on the table. They can that can help their rebuild. Is is someone like Deshaun Watson and that contract? Is he tradable? I don't think you trade Deshaun Watson. I don't think you just you trade Deshaun Watson. Um, hear me out with JJ Watt though. JJ Watt goes reunites with his brother TJ, and the mm. Steelers say we're all in here. Big Ben's got a year left. 
Huge. Let's go win another Super Bowl and, and we'll, we'll reevaluate it later. And you get and JJ on one side. And, and the, Steelers, the Steelers have shown that they're not afraid to do it. You know, they pulled the trigger with Minkah Fitzpatrick Mink- last season. Yeah, exactly. Um, why but, not? Yeah, the, 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 I mean, the Texans are being run by a, a guy who was the, the priest for the Chiefs a couple of years ago. He's their CEO at the moment. It's <laughs> it's a it's a HBO drama waiting to happen. Like, it's that is fucking ridiculous. But that's where we're at. <laughs> Um, and I feel sorry for Deshaun Watson. That's all I want to say. Yeah. I actually feel for Deshaun Watson because he seems yeah. like an incredible human being and he's a great quarterback. Hey, yeah, you could also make the argument if you're so inclined with what on the other side of the ball in terms of that humanitarian aspect, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a strange, strange, strange place. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't know, I don't know how they, I don't know how they get out of this hole that they're in without stockpiling some assets and I don't know how they do that without moving some pieces. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't yeah. That, that just that sort of suggests that there would be a plan in place though. <laughs> we know that doesn't happen in Houston. The idea that yeah, we get all these draft picks and then they're going to do something like okay, let's let's put it all in for something silly, you know, and they just yeah. sort of shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. Yeah. The good idea, the good thing is that the Jack Easterby uh story is going to be Incredible! You've got a Christian pastor running an NFL team. It's honestly, I cannot wait. That's an that's an Academy Award winning documentary waiting to happen. It's just yeah. It, again, it's it speaks <laughs> to this year and this sort of climate in the states at the moment, and that franchise yep. is the perfect embodiment of it as well. To be honest. Yep. All right, let's um let's move on, and uh, we'll we'll go through some updated predictions from the three of us for uh for the rest of the season. Um, just because we don't really want to bask in too much of our preseason predictions, especially you and I, James. Um, rest in peace, Dallas, and, and I feel for Dak Prescott, but uh, just not quite there for us. But, you know, there was a few I things that we Dallas hit on. I think I had Dallas making the championship game. and Yeah, Seattle I had him winning off. the Super Bowl, so egg on my face. But uh, I just wanted to be a little bit leery, so, but it's okay. I was high on Pittsburgh, and that's that's coming you were. true. You were. And I was my best future bets were unders on both the New York teams, and that's pretty much going to lob very very easily at this point. Although the the Giants might under might win, and they still win the division, so that could be that. Would... <laughs> <laughs> I worked could win the division and still go under. So yeah, exactly. I worked it out, Nick. You guys can win the division at four eleven and one. I worked it out. I did the. Uh, I went through the schedule and worked it out. So it is a, anyway, uh, it is that is a low bar. Yeah, it is a low I bar. Would, I would love to see the four eleven and one Eagles win a playoff game against the Chicago <laughs> Bears. Like, I would pay money for that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, AFC Championship game for me. I'll have the uh, Steelers taking on the Chiefs here um, in Arrowhead, and uh, I've got. The Bucks taking on the Green Bay Packers at uh, at Green Bay in the NFC Championship, and my Super Bowl. I have uh, Tom Brady, unfortunately, winning another another ring, um, defeating the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think Gronk wins an MVP because I think his improvement, suspicious improvement over the last few weeks, is uh, is an underrated aspect to their offense humming at the moment. And, and NFL MVP has got to be Russell Wilson. What do you got, Nick? Yeah, I agree with you on a lot of that. I've got Pittsburgh Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. I, like you, I was pretty high on on the Steelers coming into the season at, at a number of levels, um, and they've they've probably exceeded already those ex- expectations. One of my best bets as well was was the Pats under. I think they were under nine at, at the time we did our season preview, and they've got two now. So 
that's uh, that's looking solid. Um, Seattle Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. Um, I just want to see. I want to see some big wins from the Bucks before I'm before I'm back in to, to win playoff games and, and to make waves at that level. Um, Super Bowl Pittsburgh beating Seattle. I was on TJ Watt. Uh, at the start of the season for Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going to stick with him for Super Bowl MVP. I think if Pittsburgh win a Super Bowl, especially over a team like Seattle, um, you know, it's going to take their defense to, to get it done. And TJ Watt is the main man. And, mm. yeah, like you said, Russell Wilson, NFL MVP. Hard to go past. You got the, uh, you got the Super Bowl 40 rematch, rematch between uh, Pittsburgh and Seattle. Look, best defense, one of the best offenses. So. That was one of the <laughs> biggest disappointments of my life. That particular game. <laughs> no, <laughs> go. no. <laughs> and let's not rehash fifteen-year-old history. <laughs> what have you got, James? Guys, Baltimore have lost one game this year. Are you guys giving up on Baltimore so easily? No, I'm not I giving just, up on Baltimore, but they've got the Steelers just, in the division. Yeah, I'm just a believer. I'm a believer in Pittsburgh. Well, this is the thing. They these thankfully NFL fans get to see get to see Baltimore and Pittsburgh twice in November. And we'll see yep. exactly where they all are placed. I just think the, 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 we're sort of we're sitting, we're, we're underestimating Baltimore. They're still there. Casey as well. I think we're all getting understandably caught in the Pittsburgh storm, and the defense looks great, and everything's in place. But for me, the cream will still rise to the top. Baltimore, Casey, AFC Championship for me. Seattle go into Tampa for the NFC Championship, and Russ teaches Brady some some lessons. Oh yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, and then we get a KC, <laughs> um, we get a KC Seattle Super Bowl, and to be honest, I think it's I think the Chiefs would smash that defense, um, and Mahomes. What would the total be in that? Like seventy four and a half. Yeah, that first thing that came into my head was eighty. So yeah, <laughs> just um, a, a good sort of fifty to thirty thriller. Yeah, yeah. Um, real defensive, yeah. real defensive game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs to me. I just think, yeah, well, I'm probably sitting a little bit on terms of last season. Yeah, there with Baltimore Chiefs. Well, but also, yeah, we'll talk supercharged. Sorry, with um, I think that the the offense arguably has even gotten gotten better. So, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I'll, we'll talk about the Chiefs in a little bit because I kind of agree with you. So, um, there we are with our updated picks. Hopefully, with a little bit more success. Um, this this halfway through the season a little bit more knowledge than than last season so let's get let's get into week eight uh, Nick and I will give some players and, and James uh, please feel free to chime in with any uh, comments about any certain teams or, or futures players or, or players I know I don't know if there's a Brian Burns uh, this year that catches your <laughs> eye um, but uh, week eight here yeah <laughs> um, surely you're in love with Justin Blackman the Colts rookie safety that's that's amazing but anyway uh, Cardinals Washington football team Jaguars Texans all have the buy fortunately we can't talk about the Texans anymore um, let's uh, let's get started Thursday night football Atlanta at Carolina Carolina minus two and a half total is 51 and a half I've got a small lean for Carolina I've got the minus three I'm not really confident enough to take them here on the short week. My biggest question to you guys is: In what heartbreaking fashion will Atlanta lose this game? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a no play for me. I, I'm the opposite to you. I had a small lean Atlanta, but I've been burned plenty of times by both of these teams, so it's a, it's a pass from me. And James, you were pretty high on Carolina, and I feel like I know they're not going to win the division, but I think you took them at like twenty nine bucks or something. I'm sure they came in. Um, were you able to cash out or? 
No, no, I, I didn't. I didn't back it, but the, also the, yeah. the the under and over was I think six and a half. So at three four, they're right in the thick of that as well. And I did a big shout out to Terry Bridgewater as well. I'm sure he heard me. Ninety Terry or his Terry or Teddy? Yeah, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. That's his cousin. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. Terry's his his, his great mate. <laughs> very, yeah, very tight. His agent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ninety nine point one quarterback rating. This is such a good quarterback, Teddy. He really is. And they're doing a lot of this this year with without McCaffrey, obviously as well. Carolina are all right. I think they've got their. I, they're I, a fun team. They're yeah. a fun team, and I think they've got a future as well. Um, yeah. Matt rules. And who's speaking of rule? Brian Burns twice as many QB hits than any other Carolina Panther this year, and leads them with sacks as well. So it's the Brian Burns show there. Should have been rookie of the year, shouldn't he? I reckon we should make some Brian Burns uh, T-shirts and sort of say apply ice to to Burns and have a photo of Brian Burns just sacking a QB. Well, and, and this is the week, right, with Matty Ice. Yeah. Oh, apply, yeah. apply Burns to ice. Apply Burns yeah, to ice. Yeah. There it is. If only Perfect. Brian Burns knew about this podcast in Southeast, you know. Oh, he knows. If, I, if only he knows. people knew about this podcast. <laughs> exactly, if only. <laughs> Um, all right, let's move on. Indianapolis minus three at Detroit. The total is 50. Um, here we go. Uh, I'm going to take the Detroit money line and Detroit plus three. Don't and I know the, the thought of taking Matthew Edward fucking Patricia over Frank Michael Wright Jr. is terrifying. Um, but my numbers have Indy minus a half. So I like Detroit in this spot, especially at the, the flat three. Um, it's two and a half at some places, but there is some three out there. India are off a buy. They're getting some key personnel back, which is which is great. But I kind of don't like them as a road favourite at all. I just don't know if they've got it in them. And I, I think I think the Lions' offense has been in a lot better the last couple of weeks with Golladay in the lineup. I know they didn't put together many scoring drives last week, but they just look a lot better overall with with Golladay. And all he does is make these big clutch, tough catches. Um, and uh, I trust Stafford a lot more than I do Rivers. That's not an indictment on Rivers. I just really like Matthew Stafford. So. Um, I'll take the uh, the home dog here, and look, if I lose, I'm a happy man. But uh, I'll just do the old emotional hedge here. But uh, I do like the numbers, and, and Detroit oh. is it. Oh, Josh is back on his Detroit dog, Detroit dog <laughs> game. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, look, the Colts are way better than Detroit. I don't think there's any there's, there's nothing else you can say about it. But both these teams are so inconsistent at the moment, and I just can't I, I can't take the Colts, and I can't take the Lions. It's no bet. Feels like a month since I watched the Colts play. It's been ten days, but it feels like like I can't like so much has happened since since the Colts last played football. I just I don't even understand. Well, it's, it's um, the end of October, and twenty twenty has gone on for about I thirty mean, months. So yeah, I mean, well, time isn't really linear either. So, but anyway, we we can we'll go down a rabbit hole here. But uh, all right, uh, any thoughts on these two teams from a futures perspective, uh, James? No, just the thought that the Detroit are somewhere somewhere in the back of the cupboard. You know, like that's either. Uh, uh, some flower you're looking for, which is the totally discarded franchise, totally irrelevant yeah. um, and uninspiring. That's Detroit. That's yeah. my thoughts on Detroit. Yeah. Is there a team more? Is there a team more likely than Detroit to sort of beat Kansas City or Tampa Bay by double digits, but then the following week lose outright to the Jets? Well, this Buffalo. Is the, well, <laughs> this is the thing. Detroit knocked off Arizona again. They're not in Arizona's league. They knocked them off a couple of weeks ago. It's just. It's, yeah. Yeah. They're awful. They've though. got it. They've got it in them. They're just not consistent enough. I don't know. It's and they just, just yeah. It's just unfortunate. The, the the whole Patricia stain of of this era. 
You know, when they finally, after years of absolute irrelevancy, got things back on board with Caldwell, made the playoffs, which is bizarre in itself, only to throw that away and bring this doofus in. So, anyway. Kershaw Kershaw has a ring now, so it's Stafford's turn at some point, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's like the the Pendlebury thing, isn't it, with uh, basketball? Is that, did you know Kershaw and Stafford went to the same high school? It's great, isn't it? Great. Um, all right, let's move on. Las Vegas at Cleveland. Guys, Cleveland. I love Stafford, by the way. You guys have loved Stafford since. I love Stafford. I love Matt Stafford. Same. I love a good staff infection. Apply ice to Burns. The staff infection was my uh, first fantasy football team name back when I was like 15. So, uh, yeah, I love it. Um, All right. Uh, Vegas at Cleveland. Cleveland minus two and a half. The total is 51 here. Um, Nick, what have you got? The Raiders are two and one on the road, and they're only one and two in Las Vegas, which is a really weird thing to say. Uh, It's just 2020 in a nutshell. But these, these two franchises sit 22 and 23 in Football Outsiders' total efficiency ratings. They're 15 and 18 in Stats Insiders' Super Bowl probabilities. Not a lot separates them in, in pretty much most rankings or, or rating systems uh, you know, across the board. I, I just don't think the Browns are as good as their their records suggest they are. And this might very well bite me on the arse, as, as most bets on, on Cleveland games do. But uh, I think the, the Raiders at the plus uh, are, are a good bet. I think... Both defences are pretty good against stopping lead backs. You know, I think it was um, James Conner was the only the only running back that's had over 100 yards against Cleveland. Um, the, the secondaries are, are where both teams fall down. Um, no OBJ for the Browns. I think this is Jarvis Landry week. He hasn't done it all year, but 100 receiving yards, $3.10 is, is my big play for this game. But, yeah, lean to, to Vegas at the line. Yeah, um, just on your point, actually, away teams have actually outscored home teams so far this season. So home field advantage is slowly becoming less and less important or advantageous, I guess. Um, so that's something to monitor down the stretch. Um, so I, before this season started, I adjusted my home field advantages down a little bit. Um, I might need to adjust it even further just based off the way that it's trending this season because of no crowd and everything like that. I think it's a factor. Um, definitely. And it's funny you mentioned that a lot of these efficiencies have them next to each other. And while you're saying that, I went back to my ratings and what do you know? At uh, at 15 and 16, the Browns and Raiders uh, back-to-back in my ratings. So, uh, yeah, look, my numbers have this Cleveland minus two. So it's a small lean to the Raiders. But um, as I said, I, I, at the top of talking about Derek Carr, I thought the, the Raiders were pretty decent last week. They, they kind of blew the game when they kicked a field goal early on fourth and one or fourth and two in in the Bucks territory to make it a field goal game. Instead of going for it and scoring a touchdown and applying that pressure, um, they kicked the field goal. And then after that, the game just got away from, from them and it just kind of all fell apart. And look, the Browns actually surrendered two go-ahead touchdowns to a lesser Bengal team's, team in the fourth quarter. And now they've lost OBJ. Trent Brown probably back as well for the, for the Raiders, which will help sort of limit Miles Garrett's input, who... Seems to have a, a strip sack and a fumble every week, and I think it's it's a maybe a three way with with TJ Watt in there, but I think it's a Aaron Donald versus Miles Garrett defensive player of the year race at the moment. But uh, I, I just think the Raiders are a slightly better team, and I think Derek Carr is playing a lot better than than um, Baker Mayfield. So I like the Raiders as well, mate. At the plus two and a half, and I'll 
I'll take the money line as well. I also lean over as you talk about their secondaries. When you've got two bad secondaries and, and two quarterbacks that can, you know, score mm. touchdowns, um, I always kind of just tend to take the overs in the modern NFL. Yeah, don't mind it. Don't mind it. I think you're right, especially with with those two quarterbacks that love to air the ball out when they can, and they've got some talent to do it with, and um, why not? Yep. James, any thoughts on these two teams? Browns for me. Garrett, uh, nine sacks already against the, and coming up against the 27th-ranked offensive line um, in, in in the Raiders, and it's, you know, um, Stefanski versus Gruden, so you know who my um, thoughts are <laughs> with there as well. So mismatches all over the place lean to the Browns. Yep. Um, before jumping into that over that I mentioned as well, uh, just keep an eye on there's some wind around all, all sorts on these totals. So any any totals, maybe tread carefully. You might miss some key numbers if you if you wait, but I think waiting for more information is never a bad thing. And um, so is there is there a concern over Baker Mayfield as well going into this game health wise? I think there's just concerns over Baker Mayfield in general. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought there was going into the game last week because he did sustain an injury against the Steelers, but he, he played really well in the fourth quarter. So I feel like any 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 worries about his injury um, probably went by the wayside unless he picked up another additional injury, but I can't recall that. Um, I'll do a quick search. But, uh, yeah, I it's hard. To, it's just hard to pick the Browns. Like, if they're a proper contender that everyone hopes that they are going to be, like, this is a game you've got to win against a team yeah. like the Raiders, who are also fighting for playoff contention. They'll get it done. They'll get it done. Yeah, no, nothing on the injury report on Baker Mayfield, thankfully. So it's just the loss of OBJ for the Browns. Um, all right, Rams minus four at Miami. Total is forty-six to a time. Um. It's, it's just an avoid spot for me here. I, I've got no idea how two is going to play. I'm, I'm keen to watch this match, though, to see what the, the Dolphins are like going forward. I think they're a potential playoff team if two is going to be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was kind of last month of football was kind of a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think the Dolphins are really well coached, and then the Rams are kind of traveling east coast, west coast, east coast, west coast, all over the place as well. Now they're back to the west coast. Uh, but if anything, I probably lean towards the over over here because I think uh, the Dolphins can sort of put up some points here and we know the Rams can definitely move the ball, but I've got no play on the line. Yeah, I'm really keen to see Tua over the course of this season. I think he he has some talent to work with. The Dolphins are another one of those fun teams to watch, but I think this is a very different Rams team to the one that we've we've seen over the last few seasons. This is much more like that NFC Championship team from a couple of years back. I think they've got a point to prove. You know, we spoke about them in the in the preseason preview, James. One of the, the big things was that Sean McVay has a has a point to prove this season. And and if if they didn't start winning again, then then there are some concerns to be had in, in LA. But uh, I think what they've done has has shut any of those concerns out. Um the Miami have certainly improved and we've spoken about it a number of times throughout this podcast. But the Rams are top twelve in both DVO DVOA offense at number five and defense at number 11. I think they get the job done this week and I think they'd, they'd do it by a touchdown or, or, or more. Um, I'm on the Rams minus four and uh, it's a pretty strong play for me. My only addition to this thing is I want to do that. Um, what if I told you, you know, what if I told <laughs> you Miami Dolphins, the seventh best point differential in a national football league as we speak, the seventh best. <laughs> that is, that's remarkable. Um, that's a major turnaround, but we're only six games in as well for them. So, 
if Fitz yeah. was starting, I probably would have taken the Dolphins plus four based off my numbers. But with two, I just have no idea what to slot into my QB rating. So mm. it's just too much uncertainty. So I've, I've just completely wiped the slate there. Um, but yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with Nick though that the Rams are going to stick around. I feel like um, it's just it's just hard. I, I, I can't take them anything over over a touchdown. So in this sweet spot, I can definitely get talked into it. But yeah, mm. um, I'm gonna... actually there. There is a there is a player prop that I like that I just missed in, in my notes. But Miami are dead last. They're at 32 in rush defense DVOA, and so is Daryl Henderson time 125 plus rushing yards at five dollars. It's juicy. Oh, there we go. Run the ball, keep tour off the field. Run the ball. Um, all right, Minnesota at Green Bay. Green Bay uh, minus six and a half. The total is fifty-one. Yeah, this is it's one of my favorite plays of the week. Green Bay minus six and a half. My numbers really love this for the Packers. I've got them eight and a half here favorites. Dominated Minnesota for three quarters last time, and when they played in Minnesota, and and they, the Vikings only put up points in garbage time, really. And look, Aaron Rodgers are going to gonna carve up this 23rd-ranked DVOA pass defense, especially now that they've, they've got no Daniil Hunter. They've traded away Yannick Gokwe. Like, who's rushing the passer? Um, I just think that Rodgers will have time. Devontae Adams will look in vintage Devontae Adams form last week. So I like I like the Green Bay minus six and a half here. Was that week one, that first matchup? Yep. That feels like yep. a lifetime ago. And yeah. uh, I think we kind of said that we didn't know if that was – Minnesota showing the true the true colours, or if it was just Green Bay that were just way better, or what it was. But I think uh, that was it. That was that was Minnesota, and that was the Packers. And, and there's no way that the Vikings should be, you know, within a touchdown and, and a point of the Packers, regardless of the flaws in in the Green Bay roster. And yes, I know Dalvin Cook's back, and that's a big in against the Packers' run defense. But Green Bay are so much stronger, pretty much across across the ground, across the field, on both sides of the ball. I know Aaron Jones is a question mark still as of the time that we record this. Uh, he's, he's questionable. Uh, don't know if he'll play or not. He, he might miss again. Jamal Williams has shown that he's he's a capable enough backup at this level. Looks like they're going to get Alan Lazard back, which only helps you know their offense, their passing offense, which they've already got a number of options. Just gives them another one. Um, Minnesota, very average defensively across the board. So Green Bay, another strong play for me. Before uh, I let James talk, I just want to guess here that uh, James will mention Kirk Cousins' contract. I'm getting two things. <laughs> First of all, the Toyota Corolla has wrapped itself around the tree. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> Quite stunningly, to be honest. Uh, this is. I was going to say this in terms of the you know the big surprises of the year, positive or negative. Minnesota for me being one six and yep. Cousins. Can't not mention the contract. $66.5 million still left on it over the next two yeah. years. The bloke's got an 81 QB rating this year and has thrown a league high 10 interceptions. This yep. this is a big, big, big story. Could they could they get the message from Ziggy up top and just say, guys, do not win another game all season? We might be able to get ourselves into the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes here. Because, and especially, again, we touched on this early in the season as well. If you're going to compete with a franchise like the Packers, you have to have everything ready and organized and looking five years down the track. This is scary with Minnesota, with the sort of Brendan McCartney-like head coach as well in Mike Zimmer. Um, That's my school principal type figure who I hate when when they're coaches. Um, so yeah, it's all it's obviously all caught fire in Minnesota this year, and in 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 a really bad way. 
And just to ha- just on that, how funny would it be all these teams start losing on purpose for Trevor Lawrence only to have him stay at Clemson for another year? That would just be absolute gold. Right. <laughs> That's assuming he doesn't get COVID as well. Is there anybody in Clemson who doesn't have COVID? I don't know. Kirk Cousins is an anti-masker, so he might fit right in with uh, Trevor Lawrence. So, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, Google Kirk Cousins' dad. Also, very Jack Estaby vibes. A, a pastor that preaches against uh, mask wearing. So, just oh, something okay, to. I feel just if you, yeah, if you want to hate Cousins even more, I've given you some more ammo. <laughs> this is what I was going to better say. It feels like Josh, you come out with a new Cousins tidbit every week that is just as exciting yeah. as the next, yeah. and oh. we. I haven't fact-checked any of these because it's just Google yeah. these. <laughs> Speaking of fact-checks, uh, Tom Brady got fact-checked this week by saying that there's been more suicides than uh, COVID deaths uh, this last month, and he uh, he took down the Instagram post. So, uh, mate, just, you know, stick to throwing two to three-yard, you know, dump-offs to running backs and, uh, and, and Gronk. Come on. Anyway. Political atmosphere, Josh. Pardon? How's Peyton Manning doing in this political atmosphere? Uh, I've got no idea. He's. Uh, I wouldn't think it'd be pretty. No, I don't think so. But let's uh, be honest. Not, quarterbacks, not quarterbacks aren't highest on the yeah. list of people that you want to listen to in terms of no, political. I honestly or think. Uh, I honestly think my idol uh, would probably be a big Trump supporter. But uh, you know, sometimes you, your heroes uh, are not quite heroic at all. But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> we found that a lot of Shane Warne fans have found that out in Melbourne in the last few weeks as well. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it happens. Um, all right. They say never meet your idols, so that's probably why. Uh, well, that's New England at Buffalo. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, I was going to say it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. New England at Buffalo. Buffalo minus four. Total is 43. Um, New England, man, they embarrassed the hell out of me last week. I really liked them in that spot. I thought it was perfect for them to bounce back after that, that bad game. I didn't think they were going to do it two games in a row and they, and they really laid an egg. Look, Cam hasn't looked right since he got COVID. Um, I mean, this is an elite athlete and Von Miller spoke about this as well. He he didn't feel right for months after he got COVID and he said it really affected his breathing and his lungs and, and a quarterback like Cam who who actually probably moves more than any other quarterback during a game, I feel like it might impact him a little bit. Um, but I kind of like New England again in this spot. The offense has to positive, positively regress, right? It, it can't get that worse anymore like it can't possibly be that bad um but i just can't do it like i cannot pick them again and be embarrassed again like that um i do like the over 43 here but i'll probably hold off again with the, the weather inside um because if the if the new england offense does improve and, and has some scoring drives we know buffalo will be able to put up some points as well um i also just want to sidebar here and everyone's saying like that sort of Tom Brady's already won the divorce with Bill Belichick. But, I mean, the Pats were two and four in their last six games with Tom Brady last season um, with a much better defense. And now the Pats are two and four with a COVID-affected roster. They're missing players. Like, they've got players that opted out more than any other team before the season. I mean, I don't think it's that big of an indictment on on Bill Belichick, who's, who's struggling a little bit. Meanwhile, Brady's killing it because he's got an amazing defense. Todd Bowles is dialing it up. He's got an amazing O-line. He's got all these weapons. Like, I feel like he's in a much better situation than than Bill Belichick is right now. So, um, you know, if Cam can get right, I feel like New England can still put some wins together and still be dangerous because I keep coming back to that Seattle game and he looked incredible. But unfortunately, this probably isn't the spot. Yeah, look, I don't get into the, the tit-for-tat Brady-Belichick thing anymore. I just don't think it's – I don't think it's worth it because they're – 
neither of them really have anything left to prove. And they're really in it because they love the game now. They're not in it to to prove anyone wrong, I don't think. But if if you had to poll who was doing better right now, it's Tom Brady. But there's there's a whole reason. There's a, a whole number of reasons for that. So it's not just yeah. one versus the other. But you weren't the only one embarrassed by the pass last week. They were one of my strongest plays at that line last week. And uh, they destroyed what was, what was otherwise a pretty profitable week for me. Um, like we said at the top of the show, despite my uh, best bets section of last week's pod. But to your point, I, I also like the the over. I think that total is a little short. But like you said, they're expecting freezing temperatures and rainfall on Sunday. And that in Buffalo generally means snow come this time of year. So do keep an eye on that and, and watch out because that is a really big factor in any Buffalo games, Buffalo home games from here on out. Um, so I might have a little play on that over, but otherwise pass from me. If you told me at the start of the year that Buffalo would be 5-2 and in control of the AFC East, you'd say, well, how good is this defence doing, right? Like, mm. it's the bizarro world has been flipped on its head again. That mm. defense is absolutely abysmal. They've got a 27th-ranked offensive line as well. Yet the offence, in spite of that offensive line, is doing remarkably well. Brian Dable is going to run himself into a big gig. He, he'll definitely have a head coaching gig next year. I don't know where. Maybe Minnesota, um, and I think Josh. I Allen- want to see him win a, I want to see him coach a playoff win, though. He, he he faded down the stretch last year against the Texans, don't you think? Um, Brian Dable. Dable. Yeah, yeah, like they had a, they had a great first half, and then he just laid an egg offensively. That was a that was a strange night. If we cast our yeah. mind back to that, that was yeah. The, but the- I do agree they are much better this year, and he is playing. He's he's utilizing Allen. To and, his strengths, and we also spoke. All three of us spoke about the the addition of Stefan Diggs as well. That kind of speed, that kind of versatility, durability. He's also showing up uh, Minnesota as well. You know, this is a guy who I thought was the most exciting part of that Vikings offense for the last couple of years. But I guess Cousins loved uh, Adam Thielen, and I, I can't think of why that might have been the case. Let's. <laughs> That's not going to not going to touch that one with a sixty foot pole. Oh, I reckon. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you went there. No, no, no. Is there something we can? <laughs> is there an area of the internet we can find? Something? Let's talk about no. Drew Brees now. No, actually, no, let's not. Let's not do that. Yeah. Well, look, this is a very yeah. This is a combustible situation there, and there's these little stories that just keep you know popping up, and it does. It does. It, there is something to a lot of this stuff, to be honest. Yep. Um. Sadly. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's move on. New York Jets at Kansas City. Kansas City minus 19 and a half. The total is 49. They did it, guys. They finally did it. The Jets covered an NFL game. Congrats to the Jets. I'm really proud of you guys. Um, great effort. Great job. I'm re-signed Gase to a mega contract now. Um, but the Chiefs, they're winning these games comfortably, but they're not quite flying offensively. And, and you touched on this uh, a little bit earlier when talking about the, the Chiefs, James, you know, it's quite a scary thought. Like, wait till that all clicks into gear and they are better. They have better personnel this year. Their offensive line, probably not. But you're adding Le'Veon Bell and, and you've got all these other players now, Mecole Hardman in, in year two and, and things like that. But they won in Denver by 27 points. They only had 200 passing yards from Mahomes and they didn't convert a single third down. Like, that's that's crazy, and they're flying. Um, and when they finally get on a roll, I think they're just they're just going to be an absolute juggernaut. That's just going to be hard to stop. I feel like Mahomes hasn't quite left third gear yet, and it's just once he puts that foot down, they're going to be red hot. But this week, I don't think they're going to need to. Um, 
yeah, I'm not going to take any number. I think the back door will be wide open. Uh, the question is over under one and a half passing attempts from Chad Henney in this game. I'd probably take the over. I, I shared a meme during the week about there's a petition online being circulated in Kansas City to get Chad Henney to start in Kansas City because Pat don't got it anymore. And and the, <laughs> the, the rationale behind this is that he got paid big. He got his big contract. He's doing ads. He's getting married. He's having a baby. Clearly, he doesn't care about football anymore. And that's that's pretty much the rationale. That's the baseline of the petition. And clearly, it's obviously garbage. But there's still no way that I'm taking them or anyone in this league by 20 points right now. They know The Chiefs know that they can play at 75 or 80% of capacity most weeks and still destroy half the league on any given day. And they've got plenty of time to ramp up properly in the, in the weeks before the playoffs, and, and they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. We know that, um, and they don't need to. They don't need to put, leave it all out in the park on, on Sunday at this point of the season. They just don't need to. And so, why would they? Um, I'm leaning the Jets at that huge line, but it's by no means a big play because the Chiefs can certainly win this by eight touchdowns if they want to. I think the Chiefs would just safely move into that number one seed if they're not, and they're not already well, they're game off Pittsburgh. But they've got a really gentle second half schedule. I think there's a trip to Tampa and there's a trip to New Orleans. Apart from that, it's very, very basic sailing for KC from here on in. Yep, good point. Uh, I like it. Um, they could probably start Chad Henney in this game and, and win. So um, yeah. they could yeah. start Elvis yeah. Gerback in this game. And still, <laughs> yeah. They win. could start Ben Danucci in this game. Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll get to him a little bit later on. Pittsburgh at Baltimore, game of the week. Baltimore, four-point favourites at home. Total is 46. Um, yeah, I I don't know how a team's getting over three points here. It's kind of beyond me. Um, I feel like it should be less than a field goal, regardless of who's home and who's away here. But this is one of the closest rivalries in recent history. Since 1999, each team has beaten the other 23 times. And their points per game in 46 games are less than a single point apart. So it's just staggering how close these two teams play each other, no matter who's playing quarterback, who's coaching, who's playing defense or what. Um, it's probably the best rivalry in football. Um, and this season, the Steelers have been the benchmark team since week one. They've steadily risen each week on my power ratings while the, the Ravens have fallen, not by much. They've just fallen little bits in little bits and pieces. But my numbers have this minus two and a half. So, yeah, I'm chips, chips in on the Steelers here even. Um, on the quote-unquote road because, uh, as I said, the, the home field advantage doesn't quite exist this season. So, yeah, I'm on Pittsburgh plus four. My main, The main reason my Ravens drop in my ratings has occurred is just offense. Since week three, the Ravens passing offense, they're 26 in EPA per drop back, 31st in success rate, and 31st in CPOE. Um, and, yeah, I think maybe the bye week could have helped them, you know, solve those issues. Maybe signing 47-year-old Des Bryant might help as well. But um, if they do come out and light it up on offense uh, post the bye, then I'll happily take this loss. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking the Pittsburgh plus four. I just think it is also worth noting that the Yannick Nagokwe move was pretty savvy for the for the Ravens. They got him at a basement price. They do that. The Ravens seem to do that all the time. Um, I think he can be a difference maker on the other side across from Kalei Campbell and really help their defensive line. But, yeah, I'm on Pittsburgh plus four. Yeah, spot on. I think that there's no way that it should be over a, a, a field goal. And, and I, I think it should be even closer. I think it's almost pick em. Um These two teams are, are neck and neck. They are next to each other in pretty much every major metric, um, according to Football Outsiders. In total efficiency, Baltimore's number two, Pittsburgh number three. Offensive DVOA, Pittsburgh 17, Baltimore 19. 
Defensive DVOA, Pittsburgh number two, Baltimore number three. Special teams DVOA, Baltimore number one, Pittsburgh number five. The one major difference between both of these teams is Baltimore's rushing offense. They're at number five, Pittsburgh at number 15. But the Steelers have the number one rushing defense by 5% efficiency over, over the next best which is a massive difference. It doesn't sound like a huge difference, but it is. And a 7% difference differential over, over Baltimore, who were third in that ranking. I, I can just see this one going down to a dying seconds kind of field goal, run down the clock, field goal with two seconds to go, um, and, and it be a, a one-point difference over time, you know, that sort of thing. Pittsburgh plus four is is probably my biggest play of the week, to be honest, because there, there's no way it should be that that big. Yeah, this is a treat of a matchup, obviously. Uh, just one little cool stat from me is 17 of their last 24 meetings have been decided by less than a touchdown. So this is just tight, competitive. This is as good as it gets um, from, from, from you know, pro sports perspective. So There aren't too many teams that play harder than Pittsburgh and Baltimore, let alone against each other. Well, yeah, it's... I wonder what their records are the following weeks after they faced each other because they just absolutely batter and bruise each other. And I feel like the, the week after is always just such a letdown spot for them. That might be <laughs> worth researching. <laughs> going, going back and looking at each, each team's injury report after that would be interesting too, I reckon. Some of yeah. them have actually been, and you guys would testify to this, some of these their encounters have actually been pretty uncomfortable viewing. Like it's just mm. gone over the edge into something quite sort of like sinister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a blood I mean, sport. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, it really is a it's, it's a blood sport football. It's really it's 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 not really kind on the uh, the human being. It's just money for entertainment. Humans killing themselves. Um, so you know, it's <laughs> people like to think they're proper sophisticated because they won't watch boxing, but they'll watch football. Like, I mean, it's not that much difference. <laughs> um, all right, Tennessee minus five and a half at Cincinnati. Total is fifty three and a half here. I just. Like I'm just all in on Derrick Henry props this week. I feel like this is the perfect matchup for him. Um, my numbers like Cincinnati here, but this is a case where I look at the matchup and I, uh, I'm going to avoid and go against my numbers. Um, I just think Tennessee will be too strong here um, in, in looking at the particular strengths and weaknesses of each team. I think Henry should really run right on the Bengals, similar to what he did to the Texans a couple of weeks back. Um, although the back door might be open here with the Titans, they can't make a third down stop to save their life. So... Um, yeah, that's where we're at with that. But I'm going to avoid. I'm going, not going to trust my numbers, but I'm not going to bet against it either. I, I don't think Cincy are as bad as the numbers suggest they are. You know, they're 30th in, in total DVOA. Um, there is a clear difference in the caliber of of the Titans' offense and the Bengals' defense, though. And and you're right in that this, this could be a big game for Derrick Henry, although I think that the perfect game for him was two weeks ago, which we spoke about two weeks ago against Houston. But I, I do think Cincinnati can put up some points on Tennessee, but I think that there's going to be too much going back the other way. I think I think uh, Tannehill, Henry, and, and that offense can control the ball um, way too efficiently for, for Cincinnati to be truly competitive in this one. Lamar Jackson is the only quarterback so far, to, to not put up 200-plus passing yards against Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati are 26th in defending the pass. I, I really love Ryan Tannehill props in this one, and I think Tennessee win this by probably two touchdowns, maybe more, and so I'm, I'm pretty strong on the Tennessee minus five-and-a-half line. But 
Ryan Tannehill, 300 plus passing yards at $4 is, uh, is a strong one for me too. So shout out to, to Nick, who's been on the Ryan Tannehill bandwagon early days, jumped on. And there's, in these two seasons, since he's become a starter at Tennessee, 37 touchdowns, eight interceptions, a quarterback rating of 115.3. This is this is astronomical what's happened there in Tennessee and with this particular quarterback who was on his way out of the league in Miami. Um, this is almost you know, Brady coming into New England and replacing Bledsloe in, in, in a way there. Um, it's obviously supported by an amazing run game and a good defense, but still it comes a point where you have to take someone very, very seriously. And I think that's where I am with Tannehill at the moment. Um that's crazy. Those numbers are ridiculous. And now the sample size is big enough to take it even more seriously. So, Yep. And oh, it's and just proof that if you get a good quarterback out of out from under Adam Gase and they can succeed, there's still hope for you, Sam Darnold. Yeah, that's a good point as well in terms of the, the Gase factor as well. That's that's really actually quite relevant here. I mean, speaking, of, yep. speaking of large enough sample size, I think though that is now a large enough sample size of players coming out from Adam Gase and, and performing well. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing, talking about large sample size, was the amount of uh, automatic weapons that were found in Ryan Tannehill's wife's <laughs> car at the time. Yep. It was my internet deep dive at the time, if we remember as well. So we, yeah. I'm pretty sure we spoke about this without you a we, few we weeks have, ago. No, yeah. we've spoken. We have spoken about this once or twice on the show. We so, uh, about this podcast, but we do not leave any stone unturned in terms of contemporary US politics. Yeah, um, it's like. Uh, I feel like we're doing like a bachelorette deep dive on all these quarterbacks. Like, it's just like all oh, these contestants, you know, he's got this red flag and this one's got this red flag. So <laughs> I reckon I Teddy Bridgewater is the only perfect candidate at this point. He's the only one that I'd say, yes, you can pick my daughter up and, and go to the movies. But, but it's, it's, there's a difference between a red flag and 39 assault rifles in the back of a car, right? That goes. Uh, you, call it a, you call it 39 a, assault rifles, I call it a red flag, you know. It's, it's a black flag, tomatoes, really. Tomatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> oh, boy. But Out of Texas as well? Texas. Yeah. Somewhere exactly. <laughs> but for Tannehill, you know, you look at his 16 games now since he became the starter and you put that into a season and it's it's MVP-like numbers. And I took a little nibble, you'll be proud. I took some Ryan Tannehill shares of MVP at like 41s, 51s. Uh, missed the 81s that were on offer a couple of weeks back. But, uh, I mean, you could, see a, you could see a path. I don't know. It's just, I don't know, it's just too high for me. He, he was below people like Jared Goff and... And, mm. and Derek Henry, and I was like, this is just ridiculous. So, it's something, yep. it's something I wrote about today in terms of the Derek Carr, Tannehill, highly coveted, coming out of college, really high draft picks. Obviously, Carr went number one, and horrible starts to their career in some respects. Next minute, third and fourth QB ratings, and driving both their franchises seemingly in the right direction. This is just probably- goes to show how important the environment is, and how important how, you know the situation that you put these guys into. And you know, yep. Tannehill before was just not in a in a situation where he could succeed. And this is the yeah. sad thing again, coming back to the pro sports thing, is how often does this happen? You know, we see it in yeah. every sport. Uh, it, it, you know, good coaches helps, good systems helps, yeah. and that's what Nick's alluding to as well. So it's yeah. a really good point. It's it's obvious, but you know, hashtag coaching matters. Is it does <laughs> like it's just so it's so important. Like you, you can't win games in the NFL without good coaching. They just do so much to you. Um, all right, let's move on. Yes, next week on the on the pod, yeah. on the pod, yeah. to expand yeah. on these themes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Chargers minus three at Denver. The total is forty four and a half. Um, this is 
back-to-back games now where I'm I'm not really liking what my numbers producing on a personal note. Um, my numbers like the Broncos here, they only have the Chargers minus a half. Part of that reason is I don't really know how to rate the Broncos' dreadful performance last week. I mean, that game got away from them really quick. There was a pick six, a special teams touchdown against them. It was snowy. It was windy. It was just a horrible game. Their defense played really well, like really, really well. Um, they held Mahomes at 200 passing yards, got them off the field on third down. There's only so much they could do. And also part of my reasons, I don't know how high to rate Justin Herbert at this point. I mean, like he could be a top five quarterback at the moment in the NFL, but it's just insane to rate a quarterback that highly, just given we've only seen sort of four or five games. So sure, he's, he's, he's fucking amazing, but like I'm, like I'm scared to bet against him already, um, but my my concern always when taking the Chargers as a favorite, especially as a road favorite, is just their coaching is just trash, and their special teams is. If there was a way to rank them thirty third in the NFL in special teams, they would find a way to do it. That's how bad their special teams are, and they did. They even did it last week. If you're on the minus last week, um, they had a blocked punt or, or a kickoff return touchdown. They had a special teams touchdown against them. I can't quite remember what it was, but they just always seem to do that and it just invites these teams to cover. And the Broncos, I think, have one of the true home field advantages left in the NFL. So I'm going to pass, but uh, my number's like the Broncos. Like I said at the top of the show, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Justin Herbert navigates this next month. They've got a stretch of really winnable games, but this one's a, a clear avoid for me. It's a massive pass. Big shout-out to Vic Fangio here. Seventh best DVOA in the NFL. All of this being done with out Von Miller, and I think it's nine guys have registered at least one sack for the Broncos. It's really good stuff for Denver and hanging around in some respects in a playoff race. Again, to reiterate, without Von Miller, who is as you know, bigger player almost to any single franchise in the league. So yep. well done, Denver, for keeping their shit together um, in what could have been a you know, 313 campaign or 314. Andrew Locke, do something. Come on, mate. You got all this swag. Play like it. Let's go. Come on. Uh, and it was a block punt return touchdown by the Jags last week against the Chargers. Just always, always can bank on some sort of special teams fuck up from the Chargers. Uh, all right. New Orleans minus four at Chicago. Total is 43 and a half here. Um, I lean the Saints because um, you, you honestly cannot possibly take the Bears at this point. They're living proof that that wins are kind of stupid and their teams are, are not really gospel. Um, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I don't know wins and losses are what we play for. But like, you know, there's there's an example of the two teams we just talked about. The Chargers are a much better team, and they've got four less, three less wins than than the Bears. Um, so they're kind of a flawed rating system. The only thing holding me back from the Saints' offense is uh, is yeah, is their offense. They scored points last week in the dome against the Panthers. This is a tougher task against Chicago in the weather. Um, and there's clearly something going on with Michael Thomas. Um, I don't think the Bears will, will put up too much points against the Saints defense, who are starting to get going. Um, so possibly lean under, but a pass from me. I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to watch, but it's a pass from me. <laughs> I love it. Just, just no vibe at all. <laughs> no. For me, the, the, it's a big shout out to Jay, who writes Jay Crouch, who writes for us at Stats Insider, and has written a really good piece this week on the Bears. Uh, and again, talking about all the mayhem of 2020, if there's one reliable factor, it's horrendous quarterback play in Chicago, which is again undermining what could have been a good season. You know, it really could have been. Um, he called it a deathly ping pong match between 
Foles and Trubisky at the moment in Chicago. And it's, it's just the same story year out. You could wake us up in 30 years and we could still be telling the same tale of quarterback uh, <laughs> controversy. In Chicago. It's not controversy, is it? It's, it's something, it's more destitution. Is that a better word? <laughs> Probably, yep. And what, Matt Nagy, I know the quarterback play is not great, but the play calling's been terrible. Like, he, he won coach of the year. Like, he, he looks washed completely. Um, at this point, I don't know. He, he got the offensive genius label. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I think standing next to a good coach doesn't mean that you're a good coach. Like I feel like, I don't know, it just seems seems like they hired the wrong man. Eric Bieniemy probably looks like the guy you want from not Matt Nagy, from that sort of Andy Reid tree. And we need more. Like I mean, it was the, the ultimate, what was his name? The slips in my mind, but to call Bieniemy sleeping with the enemy. I still think it's the greatest thing in, in the NFL. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> Forget it. Let's... I can't remember, but I remember I remember us talking about it. <laughs> the enemy, Eric the enemy. Yeah, enemy, that's it. <laughs> All right, let's move on because otherwise we'll get stuck up <laughs> trying to remember it. Uh, San Fran at Seattle. Seattle minus three. The total is 54. This should be a cracking game as well. Um, I like Seattle minus three. I think you're on the same boat, Nick. Yeah, I just feel like the line is a little overreaction to, to last week's loss for Seattle and the way that the Niners just demolished what really was a terrible, terrible Patriots um, performance like like we discussed earlier. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I feel like the Seahawks are a touchdown better team than the Niners right now. I mean, Wilson, Lockett, Metcalf are firing. San Francisco are, are banged up. They're beaten up everywhere. You know, they've, they've got issues on defense. They've got issues on offense. Um, and, and this Niners... Really, you know, league average, middle of the road pass defense could get smashed by this Seahawks offense. Um, I, I'm on Seattle minus three. Uh, I like Russell Wilson. Props 350 passing yards, five dollars. I think he's he's overs. Um, so I'll be I'll, I'll be on that. But while we're on uh, while we're on DK Metcalf, what about that chase on uh, on Buddha Baker? That was yeah, so fun. That was so fun. And I love Buddha Baker. I've, I've loved him this season so far, what he's done, but he just could not match it for speed with DK McCaff. A mate of mine worked out that if you, I think he ran 9.4 seconds or 90 yards, and it ended up being a 10.8 100-meter sprint in pads <laughs> and a helmet. I mean, if that's not saw, a red flag that a, that a guy's on juice, then I don't know what it is. <laughs> I saw the, like, um, the U.S. athletics team on Twitter invited him to a, a workout, a training camp for the uh, Olympics yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, I'd be testing him straight away. I don't know. That's just a skeptic in me. I just think most of the league's doping at he, this point. He's been, anyway. he's been an athletic beast since the beginning, oh, though. Like, this guy's a freak. DK came out of college. He looked ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah, you haven't really seen like what a twenty twenty one year old like that. Was yeah. his abs had abs. He, yeah, he should never have gone where he did. That was ridiculous. I remember speaking with with my mate Ando. That's like a big draft, Nick, and and we we both agreed that he should have gone in the top ten, not let alone fall outside the top first round. I think he finished in the fifties or something. Well, you it's know, utterly ridiculous. Philly, Philly picked JJ Arthega Whiteside over DK McCarthy, and that just says it all, mm. doesn't it? There we go. Look at that Arthega again, please, Nick. Arthega Whiteside. Whiteside, that's it. Beautiful. <laughs> um, but I agree with you. Textbook overreaction here. Um, sure, the Niners destroyed the Pats last week, but I think that was more the Pats kind of imploding than the Niners being ultra impressive. I think this line's probably at four and a half, which is where I have it. Um, if, if Benson Mayo doesn't have that special teams blunder and, and Seattle win the game, 
Um, and I think this matchup suits Seattle. I mean, the reason the Niners are so good against the Pats is because the Pats' strengths are running the ball and stopping the pass. And that doesn't bode well for them. Like, that's perfect for the Niners who run the ball well and they stop the run. So it just was a perfect matchup for the Niners in hindsight last week. Um, whereas Seattle are really opposite. And they can stop the run. Um, they've also added Carlos Dun- Dunlap to their team in a midweek trade as well. So they can stop the run and they're, and they're weak against the pass. But I don't think San Fran, especially without Debo Samuel, have the, the personnel or the talent or the quarterback ability in Jimmy to take advantage of that. And I think with injuries at running back, Seattle are going to be more pass heavy than their their, their, their usual aggressive self, which is one of the more, more underrated storylines that we probably should have talked about at the top of the show is Seattle being aggressive, passing the football and not being this sort of put Russell Wilson in third and long situations and, and hope he pulls something out of his ass. Um, they're actually designing and, and setting plays up for him to thrive. And I think um, that suits up well. I think Seattle, San Fran's past defense, especially they've got injuries and safety as well. I just think this is, this line's wrong. It should be four and a half, five. Um, mm. So yeah, Seattle minus three for me. James, you have 90 seconds to uh, speak about Seattle. Well, you guys know who, who I like here. So my only fear for Seattle is uh, I want a worthy adversary from an offensive point of view, someone who can scare that sort of Seattle defense. And I don't think San Francisco is the team for that. I know they're a top 10 DVOA, DVOA ranked offense, but they're not in the same category as the real upper echelon offenses. Seattle here for sure for me. But it's just those big questions down the stretch in the plus, like Arizona the other day or KC when they meet them in the Super Bowl in a couple of months. Um, that's that's the only thing that will scare Seattle's defense. They're still getting like we, this is under ninety seconds are coming up on Seattle here. They're still getting it's what they did last year on defense. They leak yards and it looks bad, but they still get takeaways. Twelve takeaways on the season, I think, is second or third in the entire league. So they can step up and make those big ripaways. Um, and, and Jamal Adams only makes them scarier in that realm. So Seattle's still, yeah, they're the, still the pick for me for, in the NFC. Right, why do we have 90 seconds, Nick? What's going on? He just he just knows how you know enamored I am with the Seahawks. Yeah, I thought James oh, could okay. go for an hour on Seattle. I, I, could I, go thought, for I thought I thought our Zoom call was running out of time or something. <laughs> no, it was no, expiring. No, no, no. Well, good. All right, let's move on to uh... a little bit of the John Schneider um, segment <laughs> <laughs> next week. Perfect. Yeah, we'll give you a we'll give you a full hour next week. Yeah. Um, Dallas at Philly Sunday night football seven and a half point favorites. The Philadelphia Eagles. The total is forty two and a half. I've got five lines to say about. Uh, sorry, five words to say about this game. No, 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 no. That's it. I don't want to talk about it. Done, Nick. Yeah, look, my my comments started with lol. Lol, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so it's so Philadelphia Eagles. We spoke about it at the top of the show. The Sean Jackson comes back from a month off. I mean, pretty much close to a, a year off, and feeling pretty good. Volunteers for a late punt return on special teams gets hit twice on a play that might end his career. That was dirty as fuck by the Giants, and they can get fucked. I hope they continue to have nightmares about September 2010 and the miracle of Meadowlands for the rest of their lives. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Um, I just want the NFL to flex this game out. Like, come on. Like, this is the perfect opportunity to flex Baltimore um, mm. Steelers into this game. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Really? Any thoughts on this, James? Daryl Morey. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good areas. I think the NFL should flex this game out, move it to uh, the surface of the sun, and we'll be fine. Um, all right. Tampa Bay minus 10.5 at 
the Giants, another NFC, NFC lease team in prime time. You've got to be kidding me. Total is 46. Um, yeah, I think Todd Bowles versus Jason Garrett's probably the biggest coordinator mismatch of the season for me. Um, Giants offense is 30th in DVOA, 31st in points per drive. Uh, yeah, I just don't know how they're going to score on this defense. That's first in DVA, DVOA by a mile. They're second in points per drive. The Bucks have scored 28-plus now in four of their last five games. They're rolling the Bears. You know, the Bears' defense slowed the Bucks down. The Giants are nowhere near as good as, as the Bucks, so I just don't know if they can slow them down at all. I know it's a big number, but I have this minus 11.5. So, yeah, I'm going to take Tampa minus 10.5. I'm going to wait around and see if it gets to 10, but I doubt it will. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. I agree. It feels like... It is a big, it is a big number at ten and a half, but I feel like it's a little bit light. Uh, it's it's tough taking teams over a touchdown this season, but clearly this is a matchup in which the Bucks are and, and should be overwhelming favourites. When you look at, at Tampa Bay offensive DVOA, passing offense they're number eight, the Giants passing defense are number twenty seven, uh, Bucks rushing DVOA they're at twelve, the Giants rushing defense is eleven. Um, on the flip side, the Giants' offensive DVOA passing the 28th, Tampa Bay won defensively. Rushing, the Giants are 25th. On the defensive end, Tampa Bay number two. It's just a, a massive mismatch. Uh, Some on the Bucks minus 10.5. Uh, no, no thoughts, James? <laughs> fantastic for the Arians. Coming back again to the Arians and Bowles thing, it's, it's actually quite heartwarming. Everything that, that It was the luckiest day in Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise history that when Bruce Arians said yes to this job because uh, they're getting a special man in the building who's turned it around really quickly um, and yeah, give jobs and opportunities to the likes of Bowles and Brian Lefwich as well. It's just a good story. It's a good story. I don't think, Bra- I don't think Brady's there if, if Arians isn't. Exactly. Mm. This is... We, again, all the doom and gloom and bad stories everywhere else, everything, it's it's good stuff. This is good, 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 good stories, good vibes coming out of Tampa. So good on yeah, them. Just a shit stadium, the shit jerseys. That's about it. Oh. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, time for our lock of the week. And uh, who are they br- brought to us by, uh, Nick? They are brought to us this week by Before You Bet. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, free betting tips, promotions at, uh, at all the bookies, offers, beforeyoubet.com.au. Check it out. All right. And lock of the week. Um, oh, We've got two probably contenders here. Do we want to do a double, or do you just want to Ooh. go one or the other? What are you more confident in? Ooh, uh, I'm probably I'm probably leaning towards more Seattle. I think Green I am Bay. too. I think I am too. All right, let's let's lock in Seattle minus three at uh, at home against the San Francisco 49ers as the lock of the week. As I said, we are five two and one on our locks so far this season. Um, so you know, sitting well above five hundred, but. Uh, Nick, what are, what are your best bets for this week and, and your long shots? Uh, this week, like I said earlier, I've got the Rams minus four. I've got the Packers minus six and a half and Seattle, as we've just spoken about, minus three. Uh, got gone with a few different long shots this week. I'm spreading out the uh, the imaginary 20 bucks that, that uh, we've given ourselves for these ones. I've got $5 on Daryl Henderson, 125 plus rushing yards at $5. But five bucks at Jarvis Landry, 100 plus receiving yards, $3.10. $5 on Ryan Tannehill, 300-plus passing yards at 4 bucks, And 5 on Russell Wilson, 350-plus passing yards at $5. Uh, 
Interesting. I like it. Um, all right, I'm I'm with you as well. I got two of the same, which is which is always scary when we're on the same. Um, <laughs> but uh, Green Bay minus six and a half for me. Pittsburgh plus four, and Seattle minus three. Um, my long shots. I've got a uh, I've got a ten dollar double up here, so I'm going to split them into two fives, similar to you. I'm going to take Detroit plus three and the Raiders plus three, five dollars on that at three fifty, and then I'll go on the money line double with Detroit and Vegas. Um, $5 there at $5.30 as well. A lot of fives and threes there for all those listening at home. Um, I've got five bucks, Derek Henry, 150 plus rushing yards at $4. And I'm doubling down on Henry, $5 on 175 plus rush yards at six fifty. So I'm just double Derek, double Detroit, double Las Vegas. It's a real heavy, heavy double type round there for me. And uh, Incredible that there's a running back. At six fifty, even for one hundred and seventy plus rushing yards, that's just like yeah, mental. It this seems goes horrendous. Show how, but, uh, like yeah. how ridiculous. I'm going to shop around, is. but that's yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to shop around at that price, but there's only a couple of books open, so uh, anything above that, obviously, you'll take. Um, mm. So definitely worth it. All right, James, wrap up the show. Have you got any good futures bets for us um, that you're looking at at the midway point of the season? Any long shots as well? Yeah. Uh, what sort of perks your interest as a futures better? By now, everything's pretty super tight and the books know what they're doing. There's no massive surprises. Um, but if I was to go long shot, gun to the head, free bet type stuff, and because we didn't get to talk talk about them because they're on the bye week, is Arizona at 13 to win the NFC. Um, I just I just love what they're doing there. Like, And it's great to see Buda Baker, um, Riddick coming as well along. These two guys who they took in the first round a couple of years or three years ago now, I love that direction they're going in. It's kind of like I spoke in at the start of the season as well. I love that whole NFC West paradigm, you know, just brains, smarts, innovation, you name it, and Arizona are definitely part of that. Speaking of, of Buda Baker, didn't have an NFL interception until two weeks ago, and now he's got two in two weeks. So There you yeah. go. Yeah. Buddha is on his side. Yeah, namaste to Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> there's another t-shirt yeah like, I'm, just a, I'm a content factory here just <laughs> um, but yeah. Arizona like yeah that's good it's, it's, it's the it's the Arians magic still rubbing off there as well yeah oh man it is a lot isn't it he has had such an input in a lot of these teams Pittsburgh are another team that have had Arians in their building Colts you know have also got a winning record there's, there's a lot of his influence in in, in the NFL Absolutely. Like he's one of those super, super, super figures that has loomed large and he's been around for so long. Um, and a pretty lovable guy as well. Oh, he's a beautiful guy. He really is. Yeah. Just, I just oh, want to say oh, before, we, before we end the show as well that we know what the Stats Insider model does on NFL lines and the two biggest plays of this week from the Stats Insider model are Miami at the line and the Chargers at the line, both at 9% value edges. So there you go. Oh, take it on the model, Nick. Scary. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um, I just want to throw a futures play out there just because James is on the show and I'm inspired. The New York Giants to win the division at $13 at uh, <laughs> Top Sport. So, um, oh, I'm just going to roll so the dice. De- that is so depressing. It is a depressing bet, but why not? I mean, just you could make the case for any of them. Five wins might win this division. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's only three to go. So... <laughs> 
or four to go. I don't even, I can't even remember their record. But anyway, that's how bad it is. But all right, that wraps up the show. It's a long show, well over time, but uh, that always happens when we've got the three of us on board here, and it's uh, it's a good comprehensive look at the season that's been and, and addressing what's coming ahead. But also, you know, enjoy week eight, guys. And uh, Nick and I will be back next week to talk all things. Week nine, James, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on board. Enjoy your uh, freedom in Melbourne. Enjoy a few few beers when you're not podcasting and can get out of the house. Absolutely. Great to be here, guys. Yep. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Punt Return Podcast and uh, gamble responsibly.